to Rise and Climb with Anna. I'm just someone who really, really, really loves stories. And I'm going to do the best I can to become as good as I can to share stories that help me not only overcome, but hopefully inspire you to overcome the hardest challenges life throws at you. Hey everybody, it has been a hot minute since I've come out with a podcast. True story is that Michael and I actually recorded one about Eliezer's birth, who is here with me now. Because he's ready to go for bed and I'm still editing. But I really didn't like it. In the meantime, I found Tina from the homeschool loft and I just had to interview her. So I did. So this interview is going to be split up into two parts. The first part is introducing Tina. It's giving a backdrop of her story, which obviously, you know, I love stories. So she was a school teacher. How did she become this homeschooling mom and leader extraordinaire? Well, you'll get her story. And then because it's intertwined into her story, we get a little history and snippet about what the heck Common Core is. So many people have heard about it, they just don't know. And so she weaves it into her story and basically outlines how it became kind of her life purpose for at least this season of life and what she ended up producing because of the journey of Common Core. So it's really cool. Second part is going to go into the different types of homeschooling styles that are out there. And then she's going to talk about her book, which I bought and read and love. It's about the different ways your kids are smart and how you can connect that to homeschooling. And so that is just great if you're wondering how to teach to your kids smarts and their unique design. The second part of the interview then touches in more on what it is exactly Tina has to offer the homeschooling community and what she has dedicated her life doing at least this part of the past 20 years of her life doing. So I hope you stick around for the whole interview, first and second parts, and that you really enjoy. Here is part one. All right, everybody. We are here with Tina Hollenbeck. That's correct, right? Yes, I want to make sure that I say that. And Tina wrote up a little bio on herself. So I'm actually going to introduce her that way and then add a little bit in on how I kind of came across her path and what I feel she has to offer. But Tina and her husband, Jeff, have educated their Irish twin daughters from home for the girls' whole lives, graduating them together in spring 2020. Tina began actively advocating for homeschool parents in March 2013 with the creation of her free curriculum database, the Homeschool Resource Roadmap. From that foundation, she subsequently created other resources, including a homeschool parent resource center for home educators in her local area and an online discussion group that connects Christian homeschoolers across the country. She's also written a book, Eight Great Smarts for Homeschoolers, published by Moody Publishers in August 2021. When not thinking or talking about homeschooling, Tina cheerleads for her husband, daughters, and son-in-law, laughs at her cat's antics, cherishes the opportunity to serve in her church, church's worship team, and dotes on her first grandchild, born in December 2022. And that, I think, is a great summary. Um, <laughs> but she just gave a little fun fact that I said, your resources are 
crazy organized and amazing <laughs> and detailed. And she said, well, my husband would call it OCD. <laughs> <laughs> he would indeed. He's thankful for it too, though. I mean, it helps him in our lives too, because I organize a lot for him. So <laughs> exactly. Well, it obviously is a gift to all of us because as a homeschool <laughs> mom, I came across your path because, you know, I was talking with my sisters and just trying to kind of navigate what we choose for Cora. And then my sister talked about the homeschool loft. So I emailed you and it didn't work um, meeting up, but it got me thinking what you have to offer as far as what you know about curriculum is such a gift. And so obviously the OCD or whatever you really <laughs> want to call it is a gift because navigating homeschool curriculum, the problem can be that there's too much. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I mean, I don't, do you, did you look and see how many companies are listed there? What, 6,000? Yeah, it's over 6,000. Yeah. It's like 6,035 as of today. Yeah. And that doesn't count the almost 1,200 companies that have come and gone over the last 10 years, but like they went defunct for one reason or another. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so we need OCD brains to <laughs> to absorb all this information and and help parents decide what's yeah. best because there's nothing worse than going through a, a year and realizing you picked the wrong curriculum. So yeah. we'll get into what you have to offer, but really, yeah. I really wanted to talk to Tina about your story because mm -hmm. I have my own story of how I've come to decide to uh, do alternative education for my kids and not sending them to mainstream school. So what you know, what possessed you? Irish twins. So that's a crazy life, right? Yeah. And why not add homeschooling to the mix? So tell well, us your story, Tina. Yeah. I actually wanted actual twins and I prayed and prayed, you know, God, give me twins. He didn't. I'm sure he was like, you can't handle twins, but I will give you the next best thing. Um, yeah. So my girls are 11 and a half months apart. Um, wow. When they were growing up, my younger always was adamant. Do not say a year, mama. You have to say 11 and a half months. <laughs> so that's just kind of become part of my lexicon now. But um, but yeah, so we have the girls. They're 21 and 22 at this point. So we have graduated them from our homeschool, homeschooled them all the way through. Um, yeah. We actually we actually also just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary. So because I was 10 when we got married. I just need to make that clear. <laughs> Um, yeah. That's right, which my husband also hates. But I, I find out I'm not the only one who says that. Lots of women will say that yep. if they've been married a long time. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, so for several reasons, we just decided to wait on having children. We wanted children, but we were waiting. And so during that time, I actually was a public school teacher for nine years. And I feel at the time I was like, well, that's my mission field, right? We always knew I would leave whatever job I had when we had children and, and I would be the at home, you know, mom kind of thing. But here we were, we didn't have children. So it was literally in my mind at the time, my mission field. Yep. But I had met some modern homeschool pioneer families right when we were newlyweds. And I was really intrigued by that. I had not heard of yeah. homeschooling before then, but their kids were pretty amazing. And um, mentioned my husband and he was like, I don't know about that. What's that? You know, and he was very nervous because his parents are public school teachers and oh. he was just nervous. He's so sweet. He was nervous about making them feel bad. Yeah. That was his main reason. He's the firstborn. He's a mama's yep. boy. Mm -hmm. Um and so then, so that was just kind of a thought, went through and, and did my teaching. And when we had our first baby, and then we had the second baby right away, yeah. um, he was serving as the interim youth pastor 
at a church at that time. And so he got to know all the kids in the youth group, which would basically be 12 and up, right? And I remember him distinctly coming home one day after some time, and I had a toddler and a baby at that time. And he said, you know, I've now gotten to know all the kids in this youth group, and I like most of them, (laughs) but there's something really special about those homeschooled kids. He said, I can tell the difference. He said, first of all, they're more socialized than anybody else. That was his number one response because they could interact with everybody, regardless of where they were coming from or their backgrounds. He said, they're interested in the Bible study, but they are interested in learning. We can talk history. We can talk literature. We can talk science, all of that stuff. And he was just blown away and they were confident. So he said, if that's what homeschooling does, I'm all in. We'll deal with my parents. And as it turns out, they were fine. I knew they would be fine. They are (laughs) wonderful people. They didn't understand what homeschooling was, but they were Mm -hmm. very respectful. And Mm -hmm. so, so that's how, because once he said, yes, I'm like, all right, I'm going to join the homeschool group. We're all in. (laughs) Because it already had been in my mind. Um, So, so then we, we started. So um, we're in Wisconsin, compulsory attendance age starts at age six. And so when Rachel, my older reached six, we filled out the form and we started going and um, basically just kind of trucked along and was minding my own business as a homeschooler. Um, Mm -hmm. Started with some package curriculums, kind of floundered my way through, you know, which curriculum fits my kids. Um, And, you know, we can talk more about that if we get to talk about different homeschooling styles, because there's kind of a story there too. Um, And then 2013 hits, um, and I find myself starting this project, the Homeschool Resource Roadmap, quite by accident. Um, So as the girls were finishing up their high school years, I was also working on that and have since then, they graduated in 2020. Um, They graduated together. Um, This is also very cool. So Rachel could have graduated in 2019. um, But way back at the beginning of their high school year, she came to me and she said, Mom, could I just graduate with Abby? They were and they are best friends. And most of her friend group was kind of in that group that would have gone through the ceremony with our homeschool group in 2020. And I said, if you don't mind being close to 19 when you graduate, that's fine by me. I get you an extra year. That's great, you know? Yeah. So they graduated together and it was so cool. Um, And then of course it was 2020. So that was quite the year. Um, I think in hindsight, Rachel would have been at her first year at this Bible college that she wanted to attend when COVID hit and they had nothing prepared for online anything. So I don't know what would have happened to her. Um, And so in hindsight, I think it was just some protection. Um, Mm -hmm. She didn't end up going to that school at all, um, but she's doing other things now. And um, I was coordinating the ceremony well before COVID hit. I had volunteered to coordinate the ceremony. And when COVID hit, I said, we're having a ceremony. So we did (laughs) a live in-person real ceremony. (laughs) So yes. Yeah, it's, it's so important. Yes, I, I that that's really neat. We probably were the only ones um, that I know about in my area who had a real ceremony that year. Yeah. But I was insistent, you know, we didn't have all the kids that we thought were going to be in it mm-hmm. at first, but we, it was beautiful and it was special. And I wasn't going to okay. just take that away from them. Yeah. And that's what's nice about it. The people who didn't want to come. They didn't mm-hmm. have to, they could do something at home. So absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really neat how that all yeah. worked out. Yeah. And they had each <laughs> their best friends through a pretty trying year. That last yeah. Year. Yeah. Well, my younger daughter actually got married at that same time too. She got married six days after she turned 18. Wow. <laughs> we love my son-in-law. I always make yeah. a point of saying that because and at the moment, literally the day I met him, I had this, and I'm not, 
I'm not a charismatic Christian. I have nothing against it, but I had this thing in my gut that was the Holy Spirit I know. And it was one of those moments where you just know what you know. The moment I met him, I knew he was meant to be my son-in-law. It was crazy, right? And then I didn't expect that they would elope, but COVID kind of scared them. And and so they they like literally had the ceremony. They found some guy who performed the ceremony. It is legal. Um, She researched how to elope in a pandemic. It was hilarious. and then they came literally to the house and said, we just got married, like within moments. <laughs> so they oh didn't run God. off. Um, and it, they they were just scared, you know, in hindsight, I think they would have said, you know, could we not wait to get married? Could we do it right now? And you guys come. Um, but I yep. think they thought that we'd say no. And it is what it is. He's wonderful. And I don't, I don't regret that at all at this point. Yeah. Uh, it was just crazy, but yeah. It's part of the stories around it is. 2020, it is. isn't it? Yes. My husband kind of does, uh, he does pulpit supply for people. He's a really good preacher. And so he'll do that. And he said, after he calmed down, <laughs> he said, this will be a great sermon illustration one day. It will. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I often think about that, about my, like the times I'm really angry, like this Mm -hmm. will be a really good teaching story. (laughs) Right. Well, someday the Lord will put you in like a women's Bible study leadership position or something and you can use that. So exactly. So that's what, that's my solace in the times of (laughs) anger. Very good. Yeah. So Let's dive in. I really want to talk about the different styles because people listening to this might be familiar. Mm-hmm. They might just be curious. And if they're like me, they're probably thinking, I would love to homeschool, but I can't do it. I don't. And just really apprehensive. And I think that's your sweet mm-hmm. spot. I think you love talking to people about that. And and so kind of, I, w- I really want to take kind of this intimidating idea and topic and bring it down just one shelf. Mm-hmm. And just a, a broad sweep of, you know, these are just, there's different ways, there's different styles. How mm-hmm. do you find the tools? You have some suggestions for that. So can you kind of weave your story in with Mm -hmm. some of the different styles and how you discovered them and Mm -hmm. then what you see people do and who they work for and who, what certain styles don't work with people. So first you want my personal story where we landed, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Cause it is a story. So when I started homeschool, I joined a homeschool group. My, my girls were like preschoolers and I thought I was insane, but a lot of the women in the group were like, no, this is great because you'll get to know friends and that kind of thing before you have to be official. That's great. You know, yeah. wonderful group of people. And their group is still active. Um, that's who did the homeschool graduation ceremony that yeah. I was part of. Um, a lot of them at the time were doing classical education. And of course, I'm a public school graduate myself and then was a public school teacher. I didn't have a clue what that was. I thought it was like, okay, Greek and Latin all the time. I don't know. But um, but they were reading this book called The Well-Trained Mind by Susan Weisbauer. And it's it's like 800 pages thick. And they they were not telling me I had to use the classical method, but I got to know their kids and their kids were pretty amazing. So yeah. I thought if I want to provide a proper education for my kids, I better do that. So I bought the book. I started reading it. There's nothing wrong with the book. There's nothing wrong with the method if that fits the children that God has given you, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm reading through it and kind of like when I met my son-in-law, I'm reading through it and I'm like, this doesn't feel right for my kids. They were only preschoolers, but I was like, I don't know, something's not hitting right. And um, so I felt really uncomfortable, but I thought if I don't do this, I'm going to fail my kids. So now what, you know, and Mm -hmm. that same group, because they weren't exclusive to classical education. I just met a bunch of them who did that. Also sponsored a speaker 
about the time that my girls were maybe four and five. Um, her name is Carol Joy Side, S-E-I-D, and she still does seminars, um, mostly virtual now, but she does them regularly, and she's really a beautiful encourager for homeschool moms. Um, she did an in-person seminar, and it turns out that she really favors the Charlotte Mason method, and, and we can talk about those different methods later. Mm -hmm. um, basically, it has to do with reading a lot of literature, what she would call living books, what Charlotte Mason calls living books. So instead of reading a textbook, you about maybe instead of reading a passage about George Washington in a textbook, you would actually find a biography about you know somebody who had written a really interesting biography about George Washington and read that instead and talk about it with your kids. So there's no test taking. It is about reading, discussing with your kids and all of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that struck me as very beautiful. And she was a really good speaker and there were all kinds of people there. And I thought, that's it. That's what I need to do. And it was such a relief because I thought I was going to fail my kids, but I, this was a beautiful way to educate as well. Um, and I, so when people ask me what style I used, basically it comes down, I was eclectic because after you get a package of one certain thing, then you're like, okay, I like the Charlotte Mason method. I like how this company has put it together, except I'm not really keen on the math that they're recommending. So I'm going to substitute that. And then the next year you're like, okay, but I don't really want to do grammar right now. So I'm going to substitute that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And within about three or four years, I thought, even though I know people who use a package all the way through, and if it works for you, that's phenomenal. There are a lot of good package programs. I find myself substituting out so much that by about the third or fourth year, that's when I went what I would say was eclectic, right? I'm going to pick a grammar from this company. I'm going to pick math from that company and build my own package. Um, yep. And you can do it that way from the beginning if you want to, but that, that can be overwhelming as well. And that's kind of what I did all the way through. And then when the girls hit the high school years, I went a little bit unschooly, which <laughs> freaks people out because that's usually when people hammer down, like, all right, let's get out the books, right? Um, what I mean by that is I gave my girls more choice. So instead of, I was always kind of trying to give them more choice as they got older, but then it was like, all right, so... The homeschool law says we have to cover social studies. And dad and I think that part of that should be learning about civics, for example, government. Mm -hmm. But here are five or six sources that I feel comfortable with. Which one do you each want to use? I'm not yeah. going to make you use a certain book. Rachel mm -hmm. chose a textbook. That really yeah. resonated with her. I, I would not have guessed. Abby chose a video series. Mm -hmm. um, so I went unschooly in the sense that it wasn't like this hardcore traditional package works mm -hmm. for some kids. I didn't think it would work for mine. I wanted to give them some ownership in their education as they were moving into adulthood. So why would you say you didn't think that a traditional package would work for your kids? What are some of the personality traits that made you go eclectic to kind of unschooling in the sense that gives them a lot of choice and say in um, a la carte? So the traditional programs, um, whether we're talking, there are print-based ones and online ones, right? So you can get like a kit full of all the textbooks for, for every subject your kids need, or you can go online and have your kids online all day long. Um, with that, that sounds negative. Some kids like that, right? <laughs> um, oh, mm -hmm. But the I guess the hallmark of those is they pretty much imitate what we see in traditional schools these days, meaning you read a textbook. I, I would say that the homeschool textbooks, hands down, 95% of the time are more well-written than public school textbooks. So by and large, whether we're talking print-based or online packages, traditional package, or even like a single resource, like a math that's traditional or something like that, 
by and large, they're going to be using the same approaches that kids in public and private schools usually use. Meaning you read a textbook or you, you watch an online lecture or something like that, and then you are required to take a test. So, you know, you take notes, you study, you take a test, you move on. And um, that's basically one of the, the, I guess, hallmarks of traditional curriculum. And because when I was growing up in my schooling years, I was a very good student, but I also feel like in hindsight, um, I could have done more. I would have liked more creative things. And I had learned much more about learning and that kind of thing. So, and getting to know about my kids, I didn't want to imitate schools for my kids because one of the reasons I homeschool was to do something different. And I, for me and for my kids, I felt like a more holistic approach would be real books, activities, things like that. Um, And I spent nine years in a public school. So um, teaching, I was very different in that regard too. And I was able to close my door and do what I wanted. And I got used to that. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back and do the traditional school thing. Have you found that there's a personality type that traditional works for? You know, yeah, actually, I I think there are some kids who, um, they don't want to spend a lot of time on the formal academics, right? They have other interests. They want to be busy, you know, outside or making things or whatever. And sometimes they will say to their parents, look, if I can just do a textbook thing, I can get that business out of the way in a couple hours a day. I will do my best, but I just want, you know, kind of just the facts, ma'am kind of thing. And then I can spend the rest of the the time on what I want to do. Um, I think the other families, some of this kind of makes me sad, but I think the other families are if the kid, hopefully it's the kid and not the parent shoving them down this path. But let's say the kid really has an interest in becoming a doctor. All right. So, you know, if you want to become a doctor, you have to do a four-year college and then you have to do medical school and residency and all of that. Right. And I think they feel that those traditional programs are the most rigorous and that the best way to get into whatever college you want is to use something traditional. Um, And if the student, if the teenager in particular, because I think when we have little children, they can't know (laughs) really what they want. But as they get older, we can give them more choice. That's my, that's my philosophy anyway. Um, So if a teenager says, like when Rachel came to me and said, I'd like to use this textbook program for civics, she knows herself more as a learner now, right? So it was okay, right? And if there's a teenager who says, and I'm going to mention a name only because I think it's a great provider. It's just not for my kids. If somebody comes to me, uh, my teenager would come to me and said, I want to use a Becca for everything because I've yeah. looked at it and this is, it is very rigorous. It's very okay. advanced. Anything Becca is two grade levels above public school. If you wanted to do yeah. that kind of comparison. Um, yeah. And I know it's tests. I know it's this, but that's what I want. Right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Right. Because that's going to suit that child. So that actually leads me to a question that I think is a good time to ask. Yeah. The common core question. <laughs> and I see your website has a lot of, you know, this follows the common core. This doesn't. So can yeah. you explain what Common Core is? People have heard mm-hmm. about it, but if you right. have little kids, you haven't had to think about it. Right. The, um, and why some people want Common Core in their curriculum and why some people don't. Okay. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll start by um, kind of backing up to a little bit about the Homeschool Resource Roadmap because I started it in 2013. Um, so just remember that I was a public school teacher. So when the Common Core Standards started to come into public schools around 2010, 
Um, And I'm also trying to be an informed taxpayer. I heard about it. I knew about it. I knew what it was. I researched it at that time. And as a taxpayer, I didn't like it. And I was very thankful that my kids weren't going to have to deal with it, right? But then I was just continuing on my merry way, wishing that I didn't have to pay for it as a taxpayer. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Then in 2013, March 8th, 2013, to be exact, I got an email from a big name homeschool publisher. I won't name it. (laughs) Um, proudly announcing that the new version of its curriculum was going to be aligned with Common Core. And I just about spit out my lunch (laughs) because (laughs) I had determined I didn't like it. So that was very upsetting to me. And it was a curriculum I had been using, but I had just switched away from like two months prior, but it was still on their email chain. And that very same week, another big name provider came out and said, we're going to start referring to the Common Core. We might not make changes for it, but we're going to start referring to it when we do revisions. And that was also very shocking. And you can imagine, you know, in the online homeschool groups at that time, it was quite the topic of discussion. And a lot of my homeschooling friends at that time didn't really know what it was. So we talked about what it was. And then most of them said, we don't like it. So how can we keep our kids away from it. If these big name companies are are aligning with Common Core, what are we going to do? So the way that the homeschool resource roadmap started was people were making assumptions. Well, this one must be, that one isn't. And I said, ladies, we can't do that. We have to just ask the companies and I'll, someone has to come up with some questions and we'll ask them and we'll start to just know. And that someone became me. Because if you a volunteer, (laughs) right. To do something. Um, So I thought, I said, this is going to be a big project. There's probably 300 companies. I'm going to have to send letters to 300 companies. And it's going to take me a while, but I'll do it. You know, my kids are older now. I can do this. Um, So I drafted four questions and I aimed to not come out and say, everybody hates Common Core. If you're aligned, we're going to blacklist you. People told me to do that. I refused to do that because you, I wanted the truth to be told. But I also wanted the truth to be told. If I came and approached companies like that, they would not, A, they wouldn't tell me the truth. B, they wouldn't talk to me, right? And then that wouldn't be helpful. So so I drafted four questions that were, I hoped, just informational in nature, started sending them out with some background information. And because the, the amount of providers grew so much, what I thought would just be a list in a Facebook group then became the Homeschool Resource Roadmap. Um, And it has since expanded to talking about more than Common Core, which we can maybe talk about later. Um, But to answer your question directly, um, Common Core is a set of educational standards that were written by some college professors and um, I guess for lack of a better word, people I want to call educrats, people who are trying to make educational policy, but they've probably never even been classroom teachers let alone anything else. So they decided they were going to write these standards and they were going to try to get them adopted across the country. And they were promoted by, I can never remember the name of it, but it's some kind of governor's trade association. And at that time, it happened to be the Obama administration. And what they decided to do with the Department of Education was dangle millions of dollars in front of all the state Department of Educations and saying, we will deny you these funds unless you adopt Common Core. Yeah. So they like to say that 45 states adopted them voluntarily, but they literally were in jeopardy of losing millions of dollars that they'd become dependent upon. Mm -hmm. So 45 states adopted it. And I think that's why some of these homeschool companies decided three years later 
that they wanted to start aligning with it as well because the companies that for homeschoolers that have aligned with Common Core mostly also are trying to get their material into public schools. And in order to sell the public schools, you have to be Common Core, even to this yeah. day, you know, 10 years later or whatever. Um, so it's a set of educational standards. There's a lot that could be said about it. Um, two examples. Um, with math, the method of doing Common Core math is very convoluted. Um, the traditional algorithms that any of us who are older than 20 would know um, are very basic, very common. We all know them. Common Core math requires children to use like a little, a big whiteboard and do about 30 steps and take about four minutes to do what you and I could do in about 20 seconds. Okay. And it's much easier for a kid to make a mistake when they have all those computations to accomplish, right? Um, so it just, the ultimate goal for a common core math is to make children believe that even math doesn't have absolute truth. Because if a child does a math problem in common core and says to the teacher, two plus two is five, and I can justify it by saying X, Y, or Z, the teacher has to accept it as a right answer. Uh -huh. that's the methodology and that bothers homeschoolers a lot of us are um a lot of us come from a christian perspective where we know there's an absolute truth and we know that math is math is math and it's supposed to be just whatever uh -huh. so that was bothersome and uh, in language arts too um one example would be this um if we had let's say we had william shakespeare who wrote um he wrote a little paragraph saying, here's what I intended in Macbeth when I wrote Macbeth. And we have it in his own words, right? We don't, but let's say we did, right? Common Core would say, you read Macbeth and you come up with your own interpretation and it doesn't matter what Shakespeare said. If you, says it's about, if you say it's about pink unicorns dancing around in a field, that has to be the, what it is. Uh, so again, there's no absolute truth. Okay. Um, it also seems like a dumbing down in a lot of ways because Common Core math, again, says that no child younger than 14 years old can take algebra one. Even if your child's capable earlier, you have to wait to be fair to everybody. So it's like a redistribution of knowledge type thing. Strange. You can tell I'm not a fan, right? Yeah. But um, when I put the roadmap together, um, I said to people, I'm just going to tell people what you tell me. I'm not going to put a spin on it. I'm not going to blacklist you, all of that kind of thing. Okay. I just want the information out there. Yeah. Um, the only people I've known over the last 10 and a half years who feel like Common Core, like they want their kids with Common Core, would be those who feel like their kids will probably go back to the public schools at some point, And they're yeah. afraid if they haven't had Common Core in homeschooling, they will be behind. Mm -hmm. um, when they ask me, I try to disavow them of that because Common Core is a dumbed down kind of approach. So actually they're helping their kids by not doing it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of parents who are don't know about it. So they're kind of like, well, I don't care one way or the other because they've just never taken the time to look into what it is. As I stated in the beginning, this is a two-part series interview. So please come back and learn more about what Tina has to say about homeschooling to your kids capabilities and talented ways of learning and then also more about what she has to offer thank you thank you for listening if you enjoyed this episode please give rise and climb a five-star review or share it with someone you think who would equally enjoy it if you also feel so led you can support this podcast with either a one-time donation or monthly subscription to help pay for sound and editing equipment that helps produce more kingdom driven and relevant to the times content god bless